Welcome to Go Behind the Ballot, a podcast where two Texas moms go on an educational quest to demystify Texas politics. Join me, Nicole Abshire, and my co-host, Claire Campos O'Neill, as we deep dive into the most burning issues, hear stories from candidates, and offer hope in these challenging political times. Let's saddle up and go behind the ballot. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Go Behind the Ballot. I'm Claire Campos O'Neill. In this episode, Nicole Abshire and I interview Nancy Thompson. Nancy is a fascinating person. She started the group Mothers Against Greg Abbott, and it has just ballooned into this great organization that truly is grassroots. So before we talk a little bit more about Nancy, I want to remind y'all, if you're not signed up for our newsletter, please go do that at our website, gobehindtheballot.com. We give you weekly updates about the show or relevant information happening in Texas. So that's a great resource. Also, if you like the show, please rate, review us, or share with a friend. We would really appreciate that. So Nancy, she's amazing. She started as a one-woman protest at the Capitol just saying how frustrated she was with a lot of the policies that Governor Greg Abbott was prioritizing. She showed up at the Capitol. She put it on social media, and it just blew up. She had a sign that said, Mothers Against Greg Abbott, funny MAGA (laughs) is the acronym. And she got so much attention. People said, I want to be a part of this movement. And she's done so much work to help organize a group of folks to prioritize things that Texans really care about. So in this interview, we talked to Nancy about what happened in the past legislative session. The 88th legislative session wrapped May 29th. Some bills were passed, some bills were killed, and she lets us know what priorities her group had. So we give a nice overview of what happened in the 88th session in our series where we describe the good, the bad, and the ug. So we hope you enjoy this show and give us some feedback. We like to have hope and optimism in this show. So let's start off with the good bills. What were some of the good bills that were passed this legislative session that you think will make things actually better for Texans okay. and families? <laughs> okay. Well, let's see. I have a list. Okay. Okay. I'm prepared. <laughs> and we're just um, so glad they exist, by the way. There's a few of them. There are more bad bills than good bills, but there's a few of them. Okay. First, we are currently in the process of finalizing the tampon tax bill, and we think that's going to pass. It has two different numbers on it. It's SB 379 and HB 300. This was the one that was originally put together by Donna Howard that gets rid of tax on tampons and diapers for both children and adults, which is great. Great. Yeah, it's such a good bill. And by the way, maybe we should also clarify when we say good bills, we mean good for families. Is yeah, that absolutely that, that is this the- is and when I just say good for families, I'm saying this is a beneficial thing for all Texans. We want to look at the big picture here because we really need to focus on passing laws that are good for all Texans and not just laws that are only good for a few Texans. Beautiful. Right. So next one is HB 12. And that one just passed, I think, this last week. And it was the Medicaid expansion post-pregnancy. There was a little bit of a glimpse on this bill where some of the Freedom Caucus group and Brian Harrison and them, they were trying to say that this particular bill funded women who had abortions. But that is a lie because abortion is illegal in Texas. And if women have a miscarriage and a mis like a true miscarriage and abortion are not really the same thing. So I think some of that language needs to be clarified. But the point of this entire bill was to support women post-pregnancy, 
especially after that they had a baby and do the Medicaid expansion for that. So that part is good. The next one is closing gun loopholes on and increasing some gun penalties. So we did pass those bills. It's HB 2454 and 165. That was a good bill. There's another one on HB 1883, and it recognizes holy days during school assessments. It's for public ed. So they won't put certain tests on holy days, Mm -hmm. which is really important to, you know. for holidays beyond Christian holidays? Yes, beyond Christian holidays. I'm talking all the holidays, Muslim holidays, Jewish holidays, that sort of thing. Super duper important. So I think we're going to see a lot of recognition for at least some religious equity in that department. So that was something we can all be proud of. There was HB 3159, which made it easier for disabled people to vote. I Mm. thought that was good. And we also did pass a cost of living increase for teachers who were retired, which is really important. So there's a few bill numbers that go with that. Do you want me to give you the bill numbers or not? That's okay. 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 So we did pass that. And then next is there was a bill, a 435, a Senate Bill 435 that allowed the Santa Fe families to finally see the autopsy report for their children who were murdered um, in the Santa Fe um, mass shooting. So that- That took a legislative bill. Exactly. Yes. I did not realize that. It's like little teeny tiny things like that, but they really mattered to those families. The families really want and deserve some closure. So that part is good. There was another bill, Senate Bill 477, that had some other accommodations for people with disabilities so they could also vote. And then there was also a Senate Bill 975 that allowed people to register to vote when they were surrendering their driver's license. So they give up their driver's license from the state of Virginia and they come to Texas. They can register to vote at the same time. right then. That's right. Yeah. That's right. We learned that you couldn't do that before. Okay. Wow. That's so great. There's a lot of assumptions we had. We have had. And in the show, we're like, oh, it's not what we assume. But the thing is, yeah. though, what confused me about this bill, like especially that one, when I moved to Texas from New Mexico and I moved to Austin, I had my New Mexico driver's license and I went and I gave it to them and I registered to vote at the same time. So I don't know. Did something happen in between there? I think I something guess- did happen because that is my yeah. memory registering to vote too. Yeah. But I guess we're old folks and didn't realize when something <laughs> changed. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So those are a few good things that have happened yeah. this session. That's good to know. And I like the scope of bills, how it touches different areas. So good. And I know some of those, like the tampon tax, they've tried to pass for many sessions. And mm-hmm. finally, it sounds like this was the time to move towards progress and limiting that unnecessary tax. Yeah. Really. There were some other bills along with like about energy that I thought were pretty good. Those were put out by Senator Nathan Johnson. I don't have to bear all the specifics with me on those bills, but he did put out some very good bills that also passed on energy. Yeah. Anything else on the good, Nicole, before we move on? No, I'm just, I'm going to take that win, those wins. Well, here, I'll, I'll say happy. this for the good. Aside from bills, were there any legislators who really impressed you? Like what you would give gold stars to? Okay. I have a few gold okay, stars. Let's all right. It. So let's go. <laughs> okay. Actually, I have quite a few gold stars. I do think that for the most part, the Democrats have a lot to be proud of. There were some people that were great. First of all, Donna Howard is also consistently awesome, and I love her. The same thing goes with Gina Hinojosa. Gina Hinojosa did this thing where if she's at a hearing, she was so respectful, she always looked at people in their eye. And I just thought that was very respectful. And a lot of these folks were really like that, especially with the Uvalde families coming in for the hearings. The Democrats did the best job they could to take care of these families. 
Vicki Goodwin was always fast on her feet and she always like she never missed an opportunity to move on something. So I really I enjoyed a lot of that. Along with that, in that same entire like line of thinking, John Bryant was also one of these legislators that really surprised me this session. He was fast on his feet. Everything he said was smart and he is there to win. And I wasn't really expecting that kind of fight. And he really impressed me. I think he has a lot of fight in him. Victoria Criado Neve is also amazing. I have a lot of respect for her. And then James Tellerico was also excellent. Jarvis Johnson, also excellent. Trey Martinez Fisher had a few really great moments on the floor, especially with his little banter with Jerry Patterson that I thought was also good. James Tellerico had some of the best comebacks and like questions that were zingers that really put people in line and put things in different light and different perspective. And I thought that they were all really, really great. Well, shout out. We're super fans. I mean, this is a great list, but Representative Vicki Goodwin and Representative James Tallarico hold a special place in our heart because they were on our show. So oh, yes, they were they? Yes. Fun. And then I also will shout out Representative Ann Johnson out of Houston, my college roommate. Okay. I thought Ann Johnson did a great job. And she was in the hearing yesterday about Ken Paxton, which is a whole other thing. But she did a great job yesterday in the hearing. She's a good so questioner. I and she, yeah. yeah. She was really, really great. All right. Well, thank you for all that. We will close the book on the good and turn to the bad. So this (laughs) was a stressful session for a lot of folks. It sounds like if there was a theme, you would probably say it was culture wars. And I'm assuming a lot will come up regarding culture wars. So let's talk about some of the bad bills that were passed. Yeah. Yeah. The bad bills were so incredibly bad. They were based on culture wars. And honestly, a lot of them were baseless and they were bullying. It was flat out bullying behavior. So I have a whole list, but let's go through the trans ones first, because the trans and the LGBT communities had to bear the brunt of all this bullying and all this nitpicking for this session the entire time. I mean, seriously, it must have been like Dan Patrick's greatest day, right? He's like, oh, I created all these little bullies. I'm so proud of myself. That's probably what he was thinking. But it's been pretty terrible session for these communities. And I'm just disgusted by the bills that they passed. The don't say gay bill, that's a little concerning. I have a few lists. So, okay, so don't say gay. There was where they cut health care for trans youth. That wasn't good. They made it illegal for trans to participate in school sports. And the thing is, though, is that this affects everyone. And then one of the questions that came up during this bill process is they asked them, is there anyone currently in the state of Texas trans playing collegiate sports? And they said no. Then if the answer is no, then what are we doing here? So much time and energy. One as a reminder for folks who don't follow this super closely, the legislature meets every other year for 140 days where everything has to be hashed out. Bills have to be written to help like the Santa Fe families. And yet what gets the oxygen? Like this is what we talk about. We talk about bad bills. We're solving in air quotes problems that don't exist. Like why would you give this so much attention? Exactly. It just seems ridiculous. The DEI bill is also one of those bills where I was like, why? We want our colleges to be diverse. We want our colleges to be accepting. We're trying to set up our children to go out in the real world. And in the real world, 
it's diverse. It's not whatever. And it doesn't mean that it's being pounded down their throat. It just means that there's more things that are paying attention to make sure that different populations are represented and supported. And that that's very important when you want to everyone in the population of a college to be seen and be heard. It's just so important. And also this gets rid of certain departments and sort of like the way that most of the world is going as far as equity. And it's really going to be a big interrupter as far as like higher education in the long run. I think we're going to see fewer people come to Texas in a few years. We're going to see a population decrease in college. I think there's going to be some big effects, but the biggest effect that's coming into higher ed is they got rid of tenure for college professors. That's a problem. And you have to think about this. When we have sciences and engineering, people want to invest in long-term science and engineering projects and grants, and they're not going to be coming to Texas very soon because nobody's going to stay here if somebody could be fired or they could leave at any time. Some of these projects, we know like if they're studying cancer, they're studying how to do the genome sequencing. That took years and years and years and years. We need a consistent staff. And that needs tenure. And so now that Texas is getting rid of that, we're going to see less investment from other institutions and grants in Texas. And it's not going to show up next year. It might not show up the year after that. But I think we'll start seeing it show up and like by year three, year four, year five, by year nine, 10 years from now, when my little guy, my youngest kid is going off to college, I don't think education in Texas is going to be where it's at right now. I think it's going to be at a much, much lower scale. So I'm a little bit concerned about that. So along with that, they passed some bills on education and having chaplains in schools. Okay, what world am I in? Because like, it just seems like every other week, a priest is getting arrested for being a child molester and people in churches are getting arrested for doing things to people who are underneath them, but we're now going to allow them in our schools. This is just, it's a priority bill from the Christian nationalists. That's what that is. And not everyone who attends public school or in schools is Christian. So I just thought that was kind of a little bit of a reach. And we're really concerned in this show about the blurring of church and state and how that seems to be the direction Texas is headed in. And it's little things like this that inch us closer and make people wonder are we a Christian nation and retool that narrative, which is false. But when you have chaplains in schools and you have- In God we trust signs on walls. All of a sudden it feels like reality and like it has been there all along. So yes, that's very alarming that that this would be At least we don't have the 10 commandments. That did not make it, thank goodness. But like, yeah, yeah, at least we don't have that. But some of these things I really kind of question. And then we can talk about the things that are really- They passed some laws on greenhouse gas emissions that were not good for solar energy or green energy. They passed a law that utility companies can raise the rates at any time and not tell us. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Can you believe that? That's pretty crazy, I think most Texans would not like that. (laughs) Yeah, I don't like that. I completely agree. Yeah. um, they They passed something that the state can take over election systems. So now your local election system could be just taken over by the state. And they can just throw out votes and they can just do whatever they want. I mean, this is full on fascism that we're starting to see, which I really have a lot of concerns on that. They passed some laws just making it. They banned drag shows. They did that again. Another one on the LGBTQ community, which is a problem. 
And then let's talk about the book ban. That is House Bill 900. That was really controversial on education. They passed that. They're not just, they're making it harder for our students to have access to books in school. Things that they're trying to take away isn't just LGBTQ. It's also any kind of educate or bills about people of color, whether they are Asian, Black, or Hispanic, taking away their history out of the books and out of the libraries. And that's really concerning as well, especially since I think like mid-30s, like 35 or 38 percent of Texas is white. The rest of it is people of color. They are but majority minority state. Yep. Yeah. But they're pulling the books to teach people of color about their history. And then they're pulling books that help the LGBT community be seen. Mm -hmm. So I'm a little concerned about that. And then they're doing all this while touting that parents' rights matter and parents Mm -hmm. matter. So parents' rights matter and parents matter. Why don't they let the parents make these choices for their own families? Well, because that right already existed. And so this is the only way to act as if it didn't already exist. Parents already had the discretion to opt out of certain books. If a class was going to study it and they didn't want their child to participate, they already had the right to opt out of that. Obviously, libraries were already age appropriate. Yeah. It's wild. Everything is kind of crazy. And they also passed a House Bill 7, which establishes a border protection unit. And then when people cross the border, it's an automatic felony. But basically, we can have malicious all over the border. That's concerning. Oh. Yeah. Which is a little bit worrisome. And then they also passed some bills with that they allows them to take money away from public schools, which is also concerning. That is HB5 and 313. There's both of those bills kind of say the same so thing. So we know public schools are underfunded. And then they pass. And we're creating more mechanisms for taking money out. Yeah, because they're trying to pass their vouchers. And then yesterday they snuck in, or maybe the day before, they snuck in a voucher stipulation in the HB 100, which is the finance bill because they're determined to pass vouchers this session. But one thing that they also didn't do this session is they put it in their emergency. Remember when Greg Abbott had this big, like, these are the emergencies at his state of the state union address? They were talking about fentanyl. We have not had one hearing on fentanyl. Hmm. There's tons of, like, bills that were written. Not one bill has passed on fentanyl. Not one hearing has passed on fentanyl. That just shows you that they care more about cultural issues than they care about actually helping real Texans. And they had an opportunity to put raise the age to 21 on gun laws and vote on it. And again, they killed that bill because they don't want to help real families. They don't want to help real Texans. But they want to pick on a very small percentage of Texans, the LGBTQ community. It was more important for them to pick on like, 1% of the population than it was to help most of the population. Well, yeah, we're all in danger. Majority. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. So that gives you a really good idea. Yeah. And I'm sure in this series, we're going to dig into specific topics and learn more about some of the bills and the consequences of them, good or bad. So stay tuned for that, listeners. But can you tell us about some representatives that disappointed you this session who you thought would, yeah. it would have been better. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, let's talk. I mean, the biggest thing that happened this session with the biggest, the legislators that, okay, first of all, the Freedom Caucus and the Republicans, they're just going to do what they want to do. They're pushing Christian nationalism, and that's what they're going to do. So we know that. But let's talk about the Democrats, because the shocking thing this session 
was the fact that we are a lot weaker than we think we are. And that's the truth. We have a handful of Democrats that aren't really Democrats. They're dinos, Democrats in name only. And then there's some that I imagine are going to flip parties at the end of this session, which is going to be disappointing, but we are going to try to see if we can get people to primary them. So the biggest disappointment this ledge session was Sean Theory. She had so much potential for good. She had a really great bill, maternal mortality rate. I was so excited about some of the bills that she wrote in the beginning of the session. I mean, the beginning of the session, I was ready to dive in and just be the number one supporter for Sean Theory. But once she started her thing and her attitude and how she treated other people, other grassroots people, et cetera, she showed us who she was. She's not to be trusted. She has been the biggest disappointment to Texas Democrats by far. She's not a supporter of the LGBTQ community. She lives in a district that is, I think, like 80-20 Biden, and she's not representing or supporting her district, which is really high Democratic district. She's not supporting them. So I'm a little concerned about that. Harold Dutton has also been one of these people has also really disappointed the session. It hasn't really come at a surprise. He disappointed the last session as well. But this session, he seems to be voting against Democrats nearly all the time as well. So him and Sean Theory are both humongous disappointments. Then there's a few people that are just, we don't understand. (laughs) They're from border towns and border communities, and they have to walk a fine line. So to a certain degree, we understand that sometimes they have to vote conservative and sometimes they have to vote with Republicans. But they're not very strong this year and they're not doing strong work. And it doesn't really seem like they enjoy being part of the Democratic caucus. And those are Eddie Morales, Oscar Longoria, and Richard Raymond. Richard Raymond is probably the most disappointing out of all of them because we really felt like he had the most potential to just stick with the Democratic caucus and do good and be part of the team. We sort of expected Eddie Morales and Oscar Longoria to play with the Republicans a bit, but Richard Raymond was probably the most disappointing in that aspect. Let's move on to the next section. So this can be they spent time on these bills. Maybe they passed. Maybe they didn't pass. But as we mentioned, there's not a lot of time in the year to pass legislation. So this is like, ugh, like really, of all the things, this is what we're spending our energy on. How does your list look? <laughs> well, it comes down to basically a couple of people. It's the Freedom Caucus bills. And the UGG bills are the COVID mandate bills. And it's kind of funny that they want to pass all these like COVID this and COVID that bill when like, look at us, we're not even wearing masks anymore. And we're not necessarily saying COVID is over, over, but like everyone kind of has already moved on, but they want to pass these crazy bills like outlawing COVID, outlawing masks, outlawing mandates, outlawing all kinds of stuff that people have already themselves have kind of said that's enough. We're ready to like move on and kind of get back to where we used to be. So they just seem out of touch with where well, it sounds we like are. they want to re-legislate. Absolutely. From yes, from yeah. years ago. So they're still fighting that fight. Yeah, absolutely. So that was kind of interesting. And then they had a bunch of bills that were trying to do away with any kind of benefit about wind and solar, even getting rid of our wind and solar panels, like our windmills and our solar panels. They want to like punish them for existing. This is a true retrogression, mm-hmm. right? That's exactly what all of this is. It is I mean, looking back. 
trying to move backward. It definitely is. And I was just thinking like, I mean, did they forget Rick Perry wanted solar and wind? I mean, are we living on the same earth? Well, that's Don't they forget that this was part of their... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like this was originally their idea. So I don't really get that at all. Like I don't get that at all. The other thing is that they make ridiculous things up like taxpayer funded lobbyists. I mean... Hmm. They beat that because they want to win. They want to get rid of TASB. So TASB is yes, Texas, mean public education. That's what yeah, that is. Yeah. Texas Association of School Boards. And they want to get rid of TASB because they want to create their own organization like that's like TASB. So they got one ISD to leave TASB, and that was Southlake. Oh. Of course. So right. Southlake is going to discover the long and hard way that they're going to have to pay more for services that currently they would get with TASB for a lot less. So, And for folks who don't know, can you tell us what TASB does and how they help Texans? You could probably tell them that more than I could. (laughs) Well, TASB, my understanding is trains school board members and helps them learn how to do their job. I think it's own entity that school districts join, but I think it's also for camaraderie, to get together, to learn from one another. And my understanding is it's not, well, school board races are nonpartisan already, but I don't think it's a partisan organization, but it's being painted as though it is. And I think that's where this backlash is coming from. Again, trying to weaponize public education and so distrust. And I'm assuming this is where they're going with, yeah. oh, Tasby's also the boogeyman. And it's like, Tasby? Like, all they do is train folks on how to be a good school board member. Yeah. And they also, I think, provide them with some insurance, I think, where they insure the school boards just in case like somebody needs to, we have to have insurance for everybody. So somebody insures the school boards. They do that as a group. So they get a much lower rate for all the school boards. So they save school boards, ISDs, thousands and thousands of dollars by working together and by some of the programs that they put together. So it's just silly to basically turn them into a boogeyman, but they did that. So those are some of the things where I was just like, oh my gosh, this is just totally, completely crazy. But all of those are coming from those Freedom Caucus folks. I mean, I'm talking Brian Harrison, Tinderholtz, Creighton, like we know that group. It's coming from that group, all of them. And they've been whining the last few days because a lot of their bills got killed. So they get on Twitter and they're whining about, oh, my bill just got killed. And then they'll put out a statement about their bill getting killed. And it's like, dude, get over it. Like, do you know how many bills of ours you guys killed or like they haven't gone anywhere? We're not talking about it like you guys are. You guys are a bunch of whiners. They really, really are. So, yeah. And they're whining about voucher bills, not getting attention, some other stuff. But the voucher thing means anything can happen in the next couple of days. So I'm just holding my breath that we can hold that off. But I imagine they'll call a special session in September for vouchers. Oh, September. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I think yeah. the chatter is if vouchers don't pass in this session, which is going to be over soon and over by the time y'all listen to this, that the idea is to have a special session about vouchers in September because teachers will be back in school and they won't be able to advocate for themselves. Wow. And the impacts that vouchers would have on their profession and schools. Okay. Wow. Fascinating. I guess I see this is where I show the things I don't know, my ignorance, which is I thought special sessions were always immediately after the session. Although, of course not, right? Because after Uvalde, people wanted him to call a special session, which obviously wouldn't have been immediately following a legislative session. Okay. I'm learning. Yeah. I think it's at the governor's discretion when they come back. 
you know, Nancy? I think it's at the governor's discretion. So he'll call them back and then they'll be back like a couple of times they came back for like two weeks or certain periods at a time. This last time and during the 87th, I think they had to come back twice. They had two special sessions and he threatened a third, but we never got the third, but I think he had two of them. Mm -hmm. So the governor has a lot of power. As a reminder, very important office that we should absolutely be voting for each and every time. So I have to add something kind of funny that also happened. Well, the sort of the Freedom Caucus have been passing these crazy bills and picking on bullying the LGBTQ community, bullying black and brown and Latino and Asian communities like crazy. And so some Texas legislators band together and they got together and they teamed up and they, they made sure that some bills didn't make it. And they got revenge on a few people, a few senators, which is really kind of great. So uh, I think Brandon Creighton was on the receiving end of some of these tactics. And it's not to say that it's just Democrats that are doing that. They're currently doing this right now today to Cheryl Cole's bills because they didn't like what Cheryl Cole said about something. So they're doing a payback to Cheryl Cole today as we're sitting here together on Cheryl Cole's bills. And they're not letting Cheryl Cole's bills move on in the Senate because they don't like what she said about something. So yeah, they're really petty, for sure. They're all about Exactly the word that went through my head. (laughs) Boy, things get really petty. Yeah. Yeah. That would make me say, ugh, like, what are we, children over here? Come on. Well, no, they are. They definitely are. Like, let's be grownups. Yeah. Yeah. So should we talk about how maybe they're not grown up? Sure. Yes. How are they not grown up? Oh, my God. Okay. Well, let's talk about the drunks this session. Oof. I've seen some videos. You've seen some videos? I mean, they're pretty- It looked drunk to me. (laughs) I mean, yeah. Swanson, Dave Phelan. And the thing is, and I just remember one of the first weeks I was at the Capitol, I was walking around and literally there were interns or people working for them carrying big, huge, like push carts full of liquor to people's offices. Oh, wow. And it's like, well, somebody's having a party. Wow, wow. Yeah. There's a lot of drinking going on behind the scenes. And it isn't just Republicans. I think it's sure. Democrats too. But I think to a certain degree, they're having a good time. Mm-hmm. But until I'm going to say caught something. On video. Until you get caught on video. But here's the deal. I'm just going to flat out tell you. We deserve sober legislation. Absolutely. As Texans, we deserve sound decisions being made by sober people. Sounds and like a minimum you know, of what we should expect. Is it too much to ask for sober people? Yeah. No, I mean, I wouldn't want a doctor performing on me who was drunk or a teacher teaching my child that was drunk because they need to have a clear mind. And these are real bills that impact all of us. And the last thing you want is someone who's not clear. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, that was the little tidbit here at the end of the ledge session. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other tidbit was Ken Paxton. So they have the House, the House of Representatives have the investigative authority over cases, just like they do with U.S. Congress. And so the House has a committee that things get reported into, and then they investigate them, and then they give a proposal of recommendation. So we could possibly be getting our proposal of recommendations on possible impeachment to Ken Paxton as early as Saturday, which is going to be great. Wow. Wild. Wild. Yes. And as a reminder, he's our attorney general. He is the law enforcer, isn't he, of the state? He is. Yes. But he's corrupt. Well, it's a story that 
Oh, if we only had time to get into, yeah, but folks should definitely <laughs> look that up. Look up Ken Paxton. We'll let you all look that up on your own and look up the committee hearing that happened. If you want yeah. drama, right? If you're looking for a soapy moment, reality <laughs> it, it, TV, yeah. but it's, it, it will deliver. Reality. <laughs> yes, exactly. It involves an affair and a real estate agent and a remodeled kitchen and multiple houses and it ends in a dumpster fire. It's wild. Yeah, it is crazy. It's like the Watergate of Texas. It's mm-hmm. going to be fun. I'm going to watch this in five years and be like, can you believe it? We <laughs> <laughs> lived through that. Yeah. Yes. Okay, well, let's wrap up the UG and move on to what's next. So quickly, tell us, what would you like to see the priorities be in the next legislative session? How do we course correct so that we're passing laws that actually do have good impacts on Texans' lives? Okay, well, I think I have a couple things to say. First of all, we all need to vote. We all need to not just like get out there and vote. We need to encourage other people get out there and vote. We need to talk to people about their voting apathy and we need everybody to actually show up, okay, to vote. So that's first of all, I'm gonna say that to everybody everywhere all the time. And we need to vote for people who are going to do the work for Texas families And in your area, I'm not going to say all Republicans are bad because most are, but there's a few good Republicans and we should recognize them as such. And you can vote for them. If you feel they're doing a good job, yeah, vote for them. But if not, consider voting for Democrats because right now we're fighting for democracy and these people are doing the work fighting for families. So that is one. Yeah. Oh, and real quick, we'll put that in our show notes where you can check and see if you're registered and if not, where you can go register because we also want to make it as seamless and easy as possible. To be a part of that, because that is a huge piece of power that a lot of people leave on the table. Yeah. And I think the biggest issue that we're going to end with, with this legislative session, is that we had a $33 billion surplus and we wasted it. We wasted it. This money could be going to Texans all over the state to do good things for Texans. And we wasted and squandered those opportunities. Is it still in the bank? Like what happened? Well, I mean, it's in the bank, but I don't think any of it's going to the things that matter to the most to Texas families, which is public education. So they're not raising, as far as I know right now, they're not raising the allotment. I mean, they're still negotiating over these last little details, but so far nothing has happened. I don't know what's going to happen at the end of the day. But the group that is paying the price for all of this right now is public education, public school teachers and administrators, and our students, our kids. And at the end of the day, I'd like most of this legislation, when you look at it from environmental to healthcare to all the things, there is a common thread amongst all of them, and that is our kids. Our kids are at the receiving end of almost every single bill, this legislative session, in which they're the ones that are being affected and they're the ones that are missing out. And it's just a shame. We had an opportunity to do so much good. We live in one of the richest states in the United States. There's no reason that every single student living in Texas can't go to college for free or a trade school program. There's no reason for us not to invest in each other and to invest in our children. There's no reason for it. We could be doing so much good. But I think that people forgot what doing good looked like. Mm-hmm. And that's a shame because that's what I see this session. Yeah, it takes- They forgot planning and prioritizing, like you're saying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So I don't know. Did I answer your question? Yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds like next time around, let's actually turn to the things that matter to people. And a big thing that matters to a lot of us is our future, which are our kids. 
Like our kids deserve every opportunity to succeed. And that means great schools, investing in teachers, making sure they have everything they need, not taking money out of the public education bucket. But that's what we've seen a lot in this session. And it's a shame because the excuses in the past have been, we don't have money. Well, we did have money and we still didn't do it. So it's disappointing. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's like, vote for Texas, believe in Texas, do something for Texas. Quit thinking about all of these cultural issues, especially when so many of them are fed from a federal level on up for us to be divided and for us to hate each other and for us not to get along. And let's think about ways that we can focus on how we can get along, how we can support each other, how we can support each other's kids. It's just a shame. Mm -hmm. So we could have been so much better and we could have done so much more with this surplus, but it's kind of messy and we're all kind of messed up and we're very, very much a divided Texas. Yeah. Well, we're hopeful that something will change and hopefully more folks will be educated and start to wonder why is it so divided and find common ground solutions. Because I do think we have a lot in common at the end of the day. We just have to talk to each other and discuss these complicated things and hopefully have a growth mindset, I think, is what's important instead of just believing your echo chamber over and over, but being yeah. curious. Well, and I just want to underline too, as I hit the microphone, I want to remind us when we have those conversations and we're trying to activate people to vote that we really do have to, I think, stare voter apathy in the face and just recognize that we do have a long road. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be pretty, but it is worth the fight. And we really do all have to band together because we have the numbers. And that is what we have on our side. But we might not have short-term wins. It really is going to take a long-term investment and a belief that we are moving however slowly in the right direction. Yep. Well, as we wrap up, we want to turn back to democracy and how we reclaim that people power. So tell us, Nancy, what does democracy mean to you? How do you feel about democracy these days? Well, I think it's really important and I think it's worth fighting for. And I think we all have to invest in it. And voting is a verb. I mean, I heard that on that podcast and it was Anat who said that voting is a verb. I mean, we all have to actively participate in civics education and in democracy. This is something we're just going to have to be comfortable with doing. Yeah. Well, thank you. Any last thoughts, Nicole? No, that was so good. So good. We hit it all. It was great. Yes. Yes. There's much more we could dig into, but I feel like this was a really great recap to get us going on what happened in the 88th legislative session. A lot went down. I think a lot of us have no idea what these ripple effects are going to feel like, but the more we can inform ourselves, the better prepared we will be to know what's coming. And then if we don't like it, how do we change it? So thank you again for your time. It was great chatting with you. Thank you. It was great to be here. Yeah. Thank thank you. you. Thank you, everybody, for joining me, Nicole Abshire, and my co-host, Claire Campos O'Neill, on Go Behind the Ballot. Hopefully, we've demystified some little portion of Texas politics, and we hope that you'll do more with us. Check out our website at www.gobehindtheballot.com, where you'll find links to all of our social media, and you will find our community. Let's join together and do more. We hope you'll let us know what is working and we hope you'll join us next week. Thanks everybody and have a good one.